As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us for this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. I have the distinct pleasure to be sitting across from a dear friend, Kevin Monroe. Kevin and I met virtually through a variety of friendships and connections. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, well, thank you, Mike. And thank you, everyone that's listening. And thank you for inviting me to join you. Absolutely. So on August 13th, this is the day that Kevin Monroe with the Higher Purpose podcast released an episode on his podcast where he and I had a great conversation. So Kevin, thank you for inviting us on and so excited to have you on. Well, and it's funny. We didn't plan that. It just happened. (laughs) That's right. You know, we had scheduled a time that you and I met and recorded, and then you and I had already scheduled this. And when we were talking last week, I started looking and said, hey, Mike, you know, it's just going to work this way. So I I love it. So that's what I listened to on my way into the office this morning was our episode. Same here. Yeah, it was a really, really good conversation. And to those listening and followers of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast, first and foremost, I encourage you to go to your favorite podcast application and hit subscribe when you look up Higher Purpose Podcast. Mm -hmm. It's been a great inspiration to me over the last year. And Kevin and I were introduced by some mutual friends and colleagues that are helping us produce our episodes, as well as Jennifer McClure, who's a dear friend and mentor of mine who had met you, I believe, Kevin. It's some, yeah. It was at a virtual conference that no, you No, 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 no. Here's the cool thing. Jennifer and I were in a meeting in Teaneck, New Jersey, on the day that we finally released the Higher Purpose podcast, which is a little over two years ago. So it's wow. like August 2nd or 3rd, 2017. And a friend of mine, Mike Kim, was hosting that meeting. And after lunch, he said, hey, folks, we got an announcement. Kevin Monroe, just launched the Higher Purpose podcast today. Whip out your phones and subscribe right now. And all of a sudden, Jennifer's on the other side of the room and Jennifer yells out, I'm the first one to subscribe. So, of course, Jennifer and I've been good friends ever since. Yeah, that's great. First subscriber. That's wonderful. Well, I'd love to talk a little bit about Higher Purpose. I think it's a great So share with us, share with our listener when you get up in front of an audience or have thousands of people listening to your podcast, what do you hope to inspire and have them take away relating to higher purpose? Wow. Okay. In the prep notes, you didn't, no, I'm teasing folks. There were no prep notes. We're just showing up and having this conversation that I don't know if I've ever been asked that question that way. So I'm pausing to ponder, Mike. I love that. I think number one, that I want everybody to understand you have a hunger, a thirst, an unquenchable desire for higher purpose in your life. We all do. And we can look at this. Blaise Pascal, he described it in my history's kind of weak here. Whenever Blaise Pascal lived, it's hundreds of years ago, that there's a God-shaped hole inside the every human heart. Solomon, who is you know, attributed to be the wisest man ever lived. 
wrote it this way. God set eternity in the hearts of men. So I believe this fact that eternity was placed in our heart, that there is a God-shaped hole in our heart, is what creates our hunger, our appetite, our longing for meaning, significance, purpose in life, for something that matters. You know, another one that I also look at was Viktor Frankl man's search for meaning. You know, those are just some of the signposts along the way where different people describe this differently. Mm -hmm. But number one is everybody longs for purpose and meaning. Mm -hmm. Number two, you're closer to it than you think you are. Mm -hmm. And then number three, when you discover it, everything, everything is better. Mm. That's excellent. And Kevin, did you as you started the podcast, were you doing work inside of this space prior to? And what led you to be willing to step out and lead boldly two years ago with the Higher Purpose podcast? When I look at this, Mike, it's one of those moments that you look back and you go, okay. And I remember being asked this at a speaking event. A guy came up to me and and he asked something like, what prepared you to do what you do today? And I just started laughing. I still remember the gentleman's name, and this was probably 12 years ago. His name was Marcus. I said, Marcus, and I'm just laughing. He said, why are you laughing? Is it a funny question? I said, no, it's just a weird answer. It's probably not what you're looking for. Nothing in my life and everything in my life prepared me for this. You know, it's not like I went to school and got a degree to do what I do, but it's this journey that we're on. So when I look at this from the time I was a teenager, which you can tell if you're watching this by video, you can tell that was a few years ago. I got a lot of gray hair now. I always, always had this hunger to make the world a better place. That's just how I would describe it. Make the world a better place. I didn't understand that as purpose. I didn't understand that as higher purpose. And then just through peaks and valleys. And the other question I love asking guests all the time, Mike, was, is your journey to purpose more of a zigzag or a straight line? Mm. And I've had one guest, one guest tell me it was a straight line. Everybody else has traveled the zigzag that most of us, me and you listening, you might, we've known this zigzag, you know, is it over here? Is it over here? And I love it. There was some, I believe this comes out of like Catholic literature somewhere. God writes straight with crooked lines. Hmm. If you look at a map back in the day when you would actually, the ancient mariners, you know, we used to have to print off directions on MapQuest before we set out on our journey. Now you just speak it into your phone. Or stop in the restroom at the state line and pick up (laughs) the next map for the next step, right? (laughs) Now, that's way back there, going to those maps. You know, when you had MapQuest and it gave you the direction, you would look at it and it kind of looked like a straight line from Cincinnati, Ohio, to where I live in Woodstock, Georgia. There's kind of a straight line there. I just hit Interstate 75, but I take a whole bunch of windy turns before I get to Interstate 75. But, you know, with far enough perspective, it looks like a straight line. Mm-hmm. So those crooked roads that we took. And so for me, that was kind of like, I remember I was in a mastermind meeting. Mike Kim, the guy I mentioned, we were in a hotel in Phoenix, Arizona, 2015. And I had done a podcast before called Servant Leadership Sessions. And I was wanting to return to podcasting. I just had that feeling that it was time to do it again. And I was like, I think I'm going to start a podcast. And folks around there, what would you call it? What would you call it? And they were the ones that looked, knowing the work I had done, Mike Kim said, Google, 
Higher Purpose Podcast. Is that available? The domain was available. He said, get it. Hmm. And so I had not used the phrase that much, but other people saw it as an apt description for the work I do. Hmm. That's very, very, very palatable. So share with us a little bit about the work you do. What is it when organizations call you, when people reach out, when someone listening today goes, you know, I'm in this place personally or as a team that we really want to further define what we're doing and why we're doing it and who we're trying to. Yeah. Okay. So Mike, I work with unique companies and unique people and I work with people If this is how you felt when you've talked to other consultants, okay, or let me just say it like this. I think you and I shared this conversation once. I work with folks that everybody else think is weird. You're not weird. You're wired differently. You're wired for purpose, and I get that, okay? So you may, in the world we've lived in, I've met people, you may consider yourself faith-based, values-based, purpose-driven, people-focused, those companies that describe themselves that way, and then when they look at it, they want to make a difference in the world. Yes, you want to make money. You, you, you've got to make money to stay in business, but making money isn't the bottom line that motivates you. There are other things. So you work by a double, triple, or quadruple bottom line. You know, people, purpose, planet, We want to make the world a better place. If that's it, and you've worked with consultants that made you feel less than, made you feel like you didn't fit in, and made you feel like you needed to change the way you do business to fit, those are the folks I work with. Mm. And folks that are wanting to take their purpose, and purpose being that foundation, how do we express that purpose? Okay, that you do work around culture. Every culture is rooted in some kind of purpose. To me, I think of purpose as the foundation. And then culture, how do we bring culture to life? Well, a great way to do it is to articulate a set of values that describe how we do work here. And then use those values in every, and I mean every decision that you're making. You're consulting the values. The values are your principles, your guiding principles to help you stay on course. So for me, and then the other thing, I want to help you figure out what is your true north for your business and then help you navigate from where you are to where you want to be. So, you know, if you have described yourself in any of these ways, we're people focused, we're values based. And for some folks, they even say faith based and we're purpose driven and other people just make us feel we don't fit in. Give me a call. Yeah. I get you. Kevin, I'm going to give you a call after this interview. Uh, to, <laughs> yeah. And I think that, you know, again, those living boldly, right? When I hear you describe what you just described, those who believe there's something so much bigger than their own, yeah, they're trying to lean into that and make a powerful impact in the world around us. So, Mike, I started, okay, before I was doing this work called Purpose, I've done work around servant leadership for over a decade, 15 years, 20 years. I've tried to embrace servant leadership all my life because I was introduced to it very early in my 20s. But something I realized, and the way I've described it, people have asked, does it have to be faith-based? But you used a word just there, and it triggered this. I go, no, but there has to be a sense of something transcendent. Mm -hmm. What is transcendent? It's something that's bigger than you or me. 
It's something that's beyond us. Okay, so I'll take a little bit of a nit here. I don't really like the phrase purpose-driven. There's a phrase I like better, and that's purpose-powered. And Mike, for me, I think this is the first time I've ever talked about this on a podcast. I need to talk about this on my podcast at some point. Three and a half years ago, four words dropped into my heart. Where do things drop? I don't know. I just know one day, happened to be a Sunday morning, these four words appeared that I'd never thought of before. And it's how I've aspired to live ever since. More led, less driven. I want to do business in a more led, less driven way. So that's why I don't like purpose driven. Because so many of us, we just feel driven. We just feel driven. And it's just always chasing something, always running after something. I believe purpose calls to us. Mm. Purpose invites us on this quest, on this journey. And so I like purpose powered because it can be out ahead of us, inviting us in, calling us forward. So, mm. that's Thank you for sharing that. When you look at all of the various organizations on B Corps and conscious capitalism, inclusive capitalism, virtuous capitalism, all these various things, are you involved in any of those or how do you lean into those various discussions? You know, that's interesting. Yeah, I lean into a lot of those discussions and have had a lot of conversations, involvement with folks that are B Corps. I think there's value in a lot of that or all of that, here's one challenge that kind of frustrates me is when folks find a way and then they want to make their way the way for everybody. Yeah. Right. And now all of a sudden, hey, if you want to make a difference, you have to get certified like us and become one of us. I think B Corps are great, but there's so much about just the certification. And then Folks are trying to just get certified. Well, really, do you have to be B Corp? I don't know. I'm not against B Corp. Conscious capitalism. I love the conscious capitalism folks. Have had Alexander McCobin, CEO of Conscious Capitalism, has been a guest on the Higher Purpose podcast. I hang out at their conference. I love them, but they're folks I know that go, well, conscious capitalism doesn't go far enough because they are spiritual but not faith-based. So the folks that founded virtuous capitalism, that's their knit with conscious capitalism, is we want it to be more faith-centered and not just spiritual. But none of us are perfect. So I just go swim in anybody's pool that yeah. will happen. There you go. Yeah, I think the exciting part about those groups is that it, back to your point, it brings people together who feel so abnormal because they're yeah. leading yeah. so hard trying to lead well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we talk a lot about with the Talent Magnet Institute about building the impact of building a healthy leadership team. Yeah. That then focuses on the holistic view of health, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and financial. And then also goes so far where they start building healthier teams. They mm -hmm. want to build healthier employee-employer relationships and how that so quickly can transcend into the homes and lives. Oh, yeah. Those that we employ and then ultimately the communities that we serve. And being purposeful in that is critically important. Absolutely. We need to care. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's a myth. 
And I think the myth was in the workplace long before Las Vegas co-opted the myth as their slogan. What happens in Vegas stays at Vegas. Yeah, right. What happens at work stays at work. No, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. No, it doesn't. What happens at work follows every employee home every day. And if they work in a toxic environment, and that's one reason why so many people stop at the bar on the way home is to release that toxicity that they left the office with, hoping to go home with some less toxicity, right? But they just feel blah, you know, when they leave work. But whatever happens at work follows us home. And, you know, years ago, we called this the kick the cat syndrome. You came in the door and there's the cat. You want to kick the cat. Why? Because the man, the boss, was kicking you all day. And so you've just taken all. Of, but what if we do that differently? Like, you know, I love the folks at Barry Waymiller, Bob Chapman, when he had this realization. Hey, wow. What if we send people home? safe at the end of a the day. They do manufacturing. What if people go home feeling cared for, feeling mm -hmm. respected? Wow, they go home differently. And Bob Chapman shared the story. He said, I blew my mind, Kevin. We're teaching these things about work. And some guy raises his hand and said, man, I wish I'd known this five years ago. I wouldn't have been divorced. Mm -hmm. And what you've taught me at work has made me a better person, parent, partner, mm -hmm. community member. That's the opportunity employers have is to create these environments. It's a word you used. I listened to it on the podcast when you were with me. Create an environment where people are safe, feel safe, are cared for. And guess what? They go home in a different state of mind. And right. it makes a difference in the community. Bob Chapman also said it like this. And I'm not picking on any united way. I'm not picking on those campaigns. They do great work. But Bob Chapman's point was, what if the companies, the companies are funding United Way because they're the ones that have made people's lives miserable that they need the services that United Way agencies are providing. Hmm. Go back and change your workplace. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think, and here you know, in this case that the United Ways across the country are trying to pay attention to the needs of their people, right? Mm -hmm. You and I spoke about it in our interview on the Higher Purpose podcast that if we would just pay attention to our people, yeah. if we would not make it about the transactions, but view every interaction, the thousands of thousands of interactions that happen daily in our workplace, the impact yeah. The implications that can have on society, not just your bottom line as an organization, but the lives. We talk a lot about the Talent Magnet Institute, that we want to create environments and cultures and set your organizations up for success so that every interaction mm. creates positive brand ambassadors that might include the person that's retiring from your organization, that might include the person that has to resign for your organization, mm -hmm. that might include the person that really needs to move on in order to find their next best fit. Mm -hmm. And We need to create cultures and environments that help those individuals thrive while they're with us. Yeah, yeah. And if we do this, if we elevate our expectation, our anticipation, our hopes, we can transform these transactions into encounters. Mm. 
right? And every client interaction now becomes a client encounter. Every employee interaction is an encounter. And I think of this, a mentor of mine, Erie Chapman, ran three different hospitals in Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee. He tells the story of Lois. I mean, I still remember the name. Lois was a cashier in the cafeteria. And Erie, being the hospital administrator, the CEO, he's concerned they're different lines. You know, there are three or four lines in the cafeteria, and Lois's is the longest, and trying to get people to move to other lines. No, everybody wanted to be in Lois's line because Lois had a way of seeing everybody as they were paying for their meal as a person and not taking any more time than the other cashiers took but she elevated each of those transactions into an encounter and people felt valued. They felt cared for, they felt loved, and they were willing to wait longer so Lois could ring up their lunch because she transformed that experience. Wow. Now think about what you said. We have thousands of opportunities to do that every single day. How does the receptionist answer the phone? Make you feel like you're an intrusion or make you feel like a welcomed guest? You know, one day I was at Chick-fil-A. I was at their corporate headquarters meeting with Mark Miller. And we weren't at the main building. We were at a building across the street, but it's on their headquarters campus. And the receptionist was amazing. And Mark said, well, what do you want to talk about today? And I said, well, first, that that encounter that we just had in the lobby was totally different than the encounter I have in the majority of lobbies I go into. How do you make that happen every day for every single person that walks in the door? Hmm. Right? Wow. That, man, we've elevated and things have gone to another level when you figure out how to do that. And it starts by how you see the people that come in the door. Do you value them or, you know, are they there as a bother to you? Mm -hmm. Kevin, we talk about a lot with our executive search firm that the interview starts when you pull into the parking lot. <laughs> and for yeah. some, they would say, well, it interviews well before that because we're screening and we're looking at. Yeah. But when your face-to-face -face interview shows up when you pull into the parking lot and you never know hmm. how the person that might be doing landscaping or how the individual who might be cleaning up trash in the parking lot or might be greeting you at the door, or passing you as you go up an elevator or walk up steps, what their role is in that business. I tell a story of one of my clients and very dear friends, you know, his father years ago, about 10 years ago, encouraged me, said, Mike, part of my interview process is I go and put wrappers in the parking lot in a way that whoever comes in has to step over them. And the question is, do they bend down and pick them up or do they just walk over them, right? And here that person who's yep. told me that yep. is the chairman of their board, right? So when he gets pulled into an interview, it's a critical position and that's part of how he interviews, right? So you know, the other thing I'll use the example of our own family business, there have been times in years past where our receptionist was actually my mom, who's one of the owners of our company, right? And how people made her feel meant everything to our entire team of search consultants. They yeah. would ask, Sue, how did this person interact with you? 
well, they were nervous. So I calmed them down, got them some water and coffee, encouraged them to just calm down, turned on some music, or they were extremely rude and made me feel like, why are you even here? Why are you even trying to talk to me? Right. We need to care about everyone. And you've got to care about everyone. So here's another story that illustrates that point in a much bigger company, Southwest Airlines. Their hiring committee includes the security guard who greets you at the door and the receptionist. They are asked. And if they have a bad encounter, they are expected to notify the interviewing officer or the agent of the company who at whatever level it is this isn't a person for us because they were rude to the security guard or the receptionist and you know they're just folks and i'm grateful mike okay i'll tell you a quick story that illustrates this and why i'm telling it now a few years ago i'd done a session on servant leadership for a group of latin american leaders it was all the vps from 14 latin american countries and at the end of the day a gentleman came up to me and he said Kevin, may I tell you what impacted me most about today's session? So, Mike, I'm sitting there thinking, well, let's be honest. We all have egos. I'm thinking, what was the brilliant thing I said? No, was it an activity? Was it an exercise? What portion of the session was it? And now, footnote, this gentleman was the guy. He was the VP of Chile, and I was told he was the one person most reluctant about this workshop we were doing and that they wondering why, what can we learn from folks teaching servant leadership? He walked up to me when he said that. He said, Kevin, it was the way you looked me in the eye and shook my hand when I walked in the room. I don't do that for my people, Mm. but I am starting now. Mm. Okay, Mike, where did I learn that? They didn't teach that in grad school. They didn't teach that at university. Where did I learn that? At home or in kindergarten. At home in the little shotgun house I grew up in in Perry, Georgia, by my mom and dad, who are both Kentucky natives, just to let you know. There you go. Kentucky natives. But that's where I learned it, right? And that was what stood out to this guy from a day workshop. (laughs) And so that kind of respect, that kind of connection, that kind of care for people, hey, they're never just the receptionist. As our friend Steve Brown, you know, what gets him torqued is when somebody says just a, oh, she's just a receptionist or he's just the security guard. No, in Southwest Airlines, they're part of the hiring committee. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and some of the point of that particular leader from Chile giving you that feedback means that no one has also, it's not just he doesn't do it. It's that nobody does it around him. Yeah. How quickly this is where when Kevin and I talk about culture transformation and leading well and showing up well, that doesn't mean massive mountains you have to conquer. This might mean of you asking questions that go beyond what people are. Now you may get some pushback organizationally, that, well, why is he or she asking me that question? They've never cared about that before. But now's your opportunity to be the change. Now's your opportunity to turn the proverbial new leaf and say, you know what? I'm going to try this care thing. I'm going to care about helping my people thrive in the lives that they have, not just what I need them to do. 
So Mike, sitting at the airport that afternoon, waiting for the flight, reflecting on that, and I use this in every session I do about leadership now, little things matter most, and you never know what little thing will matter most to whom when. It was the simple act of shaking a guy's hand, looking him in the eye, that was a transformative encounter for him that like you just said, showed him something he was missing in his leadership. And it was nothing that was in the core content of the session. It was just who I am, how I show up in the world. I can't take credit for that again. My mom and dad taught me that, imparted that into me, taught me to care for people, to value people. Something else, I used to travel with the CEO and he would ask me this. He'd say, Kevin, at every restaurant, you always ask, the server their name, and then you call the server by name. Why do you do that? I'm like, well, it humanizes the transaction, the encounter. And it's what my dad taught me. Mm -hmm. People have a name. They love it when they're called that. Last year, I was in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, speaking at a conference, walked into the restaurant one morning, was meeting a gentleman, Dick, who lived there that I knew from LinkedIn. We're having breakfast. I sit down with Dick and Dick was already there and our server walks up and I said, hello, I'm Kevin. This is Dick. What's your name? She was befuddled. She Mm -hmm. scrambles trying to, she finally says, my name is Pat. And she got her drink order. She came back a few minutes later. She said, I'm sorry. I've worked here 20 years and no one has ever asked my name. Mm. Mike, those are little things. Right. But when the CEO of your company knows your name, it means something. When the senior vice president knows everybody's name, and there are hundreds of people, but somehow they've taken the time to learn faces and names. And when they walk in, they go, hey, good morning, Mike. Man, you feel different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, it's so little, but it has such big impact. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're thinking right now, you're listening, saying, Mike and Kevin, I just don't believe it can have that big of an impact. Our challenge to you today is to try it. Have the discussion, ask the name, ask how they're doing, ask how their day or weekend was or is going to be, and ask something about based on your knowledge of knowing what their family looks like or community looks like. Ask them how people are doing in their family and care. Can we extend this care. and say, you need to make this a week-long challenge, a two-week challenge or something. Just doing it for one day, you're not going to get enough data, perhaps. So run the experiment for a week, two weeks, a month, that you're just going to do this. You're going to pick something little and you're going to be intentional about it. And I believe at the end of that time period, you're going to go, wow, that made a difference. So speaking of challenge, speaking of challenges, let's move a little bit into Kevin, something that you recently have been elevating called the gratitude challenge. What if a simple 10 day challenge could move you from surviving to truly thriving? For those who know me well, are hopefully you're picking up already why Mike and Kevin have connected so well because of the way that we think and operate. So share with me a little bit about what led you to kick off this gratitude challenge and what your belief is in gratitude and how can gratitude change the way we approach our days and our lives each and every day. Wow. Okay. Let me see how quickly can I do this. So 
like, you know, I'm a podcaster. So in April, and I'm a big, big user of LinkedIn. In April, somebody tags a gentleman named Steve Foran and I on a post in LinkedIn. Never knew the guy. Steve reached out, connected, and he said, hey, can I send you a book? I've written a book. Can I send it to you? You do a podcast. Maybe you'll have me on your podcast. The book was Surviving to Thriving, The Ten Laws of Grateful Leadership. So I got the book. I read the book. I was intrigued. There was a line in the book that just messed with me because I thought I understood gratitude until I read this line in Steve's book. But I was being very intentional. This was in May when we started talking. The end of June, I was going to have episode 100 of the Higher Purpose podcast. And I wanted to save this conversation on gratitude to be episode 101 to kick off the next hundred episodes of the podcast grounded in gratitude. So, you know, there was a little longer lag time between when I read the book and when we were starting and Steve and I'd had some conversations. And one morning, I start every morning with a time of meditation, a time, a quiet time, a time of reflective reading of prayer. And one morning in that, this idea popped, you know, what if we did a gratitude challenge? I just picked up the phone and called Steve, said, hey, Steve, you want to do a gratitude challenge? And Steve said, sure. I said, you want to ask any questions? He goes, no, I'm in. And so then we started trying to figure out because Steve had this, in his book, he uses this scale that we're either surviving, striving, arriving, or thriving. Those are the kind of the four marks. We're like, okay, What's the least amount of time that we could take people from wherever they're at on the scale and just within some intentional, focused gratitude, move them up at least one notch, you know? And when we did this, so this is now our third time doing this. And thanks to you and Steve Brown specifically, we went from having 100 people in that first challenge to 290 people. We now, going through this third challenge, we have had 1,000 plus people participate wow. in the gratitude challenge. People from all over the world. In this current challenge, we have people from Australia, New Zealand, India, Japan, all over the United Kingdom, all over USA, Canada. I think it was 20 countries that are represented. How does that happen? That's the internet amazing. makes that possible. Things like LinkedIn. A lady from New Zealand who gets this stuff, but I reached out to her because a friend had introduced us and I'd known her for a while. I said, hey, you ought to join the challenge. I said, what would 10 days of gratitude do for you? And she said, oh my gosh, Kevin, right now I'm at a two. And I can say this because she's given me permission to say, I'm not going to say her name, but she's recorded a testimonial for us. She said, I'm a two. If at the end of 10 days I could be a five, that would make all the difference in the world. Hmm. That was on a Friday afternoon. The challenge started on Monday. Monday evening, I emailed her just to make sure she'd gotten the email and the prompt and all that. She said, Kevin, I'm already at a six. I'm like, what? You said if you could go from a two to a five in 10 days, you'd be great. That would be transferring. She said, I'm at a six. At the end of 10 days, she was at a nine by her own reporting. Why is that, Mike? Aeneas Nin said this. I love the way she said it better than most. We don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. Mm. And that's where gratitude comes in. Because mm -hmm. when we lose sight and we think, Oh my gosh, life sucks. Life is bad. I think you said something about not comparing. The world we live in forces all of us to compare. You know, I mean, just every day. That's what millions of billions of dollars are spending in advertising. Instagram 
hey, does your plate of food look as good as my plate of food when I'm about to eat tonight for dinner? I bet it doesn't. Is your vacation, you know, all of that, just all of this comparison. But gratitude just looks and says, you know, and this is the line from Steve's book that I found so transformational. You are worthy and you have much to be grateful for. Mm. And it was that tying gratitude to worthiness that just split me wide open. You are worthy and you have much to be grateful for. We all have so much to be grateful for. And if we can intentionally direct our focus on that, the world begins to change because we've changed. We just see the world differently. We see the abundance. There's a gentleman, a client gave me the book. I can't remember the quotation at this moment who said it, but abundance is the natural state. We're the ones that introduce limitation. The world is an abundant place. I mean, there's plenty of oxygen to go around. There's plenty of water to go around, right? I mean, sometimes it's not in the right place at the right time. There's a drought, but the oceans are full of water. The oceans are still full. So the world's this place of abundance. So the gratitude challenge is just this. We provide a prompt a day for 10 days and we do it in community because we believe gratitude, like all the finer things in life, is better together. Mm. And just connect with somebody. Do it in community. Share what you're grateful for and you're going to see your world get better because you will be seeing the world differently. Mm. So thanks for asking. And again, man, it just happened. It was an experiment we ran. We didn't have a strategic plan. We just had an idea. And the idea just happened to hit at a time where there's so much negativity. There's so much bringing people down, as our friend Steve Brown says. This idea of just helping lift people up is something that is just resonating with people. And I can literally say this all around the world, resonating with people. That's great. Yeah, I recently, Kevin, listened to some of your, the audio recordings that people provided that you shared some of those in your 100th episode. Yep. yep. And I love that the fact that this body of work is reaching people all throughout the world and that listeners, because you're helping them reset their minds, we talk about reframing success and leadership. Yeah. yeah. You're helping leaders reframe their minds to focus on what is versus what is not, what can, not what could. Yeah. And, you know, what I will, not what I wish I would have. And there are so many things that just, and this can be a free resource to all of those listening. One is just going around the room with your own team and asking, you know, everyone share two things that you're thankful for. We did this about two, maybe three years ago may have been longer than that, in fact. And what we were asking this year, this quarter, this month, what are you thankful for? And now we do it much more often and we need to remind ourselves to do it more often. But when you did that, it was amazing how much you learned about the people in the room. And the reality is we're all human and we all have family. So we all have challenges and change (laughs) and health concerns and dysfunction. And, you know, we have- And 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 more dysfunction. (laughs) And joy and happiness and sadness going on. If we can just reframe our minds to think about the things that we're thankful for, it'll add an extra pep in your step and make you realize how much you actually have. Man, it creates energy. 
it releases energy and it just takes us to a different place and a better mental space. And it's this simple act of just thinking, I mean, just a moment, a minute of gratitude. And I love it that you're doing that. We've had so many companies tell us we've introduced gratitude into our meetings and it's changed the tone of our meetings. Absolutely. Because we just start, we take two or three minutes and everybody just says something they're grateful for this week. And I have a friend that started this in a manufacturing company in California. He said, Kevin, when we started that, if everybody was honest, the answer would be, well, gosh, it's Tuesday. That just means there are three more days until Friday. That would be the most any of us were grateful for, him included. Hmm. And they went on this transformational journey. And now 18, 22 months later, it's changed everything. The hmm. culture has shifted. And it started with a simple act of what are you grateful for? What's the good that's going on in our business today? Because we can always find the bad and we focus on the bad and we tend to magnify the bad, but what's the good? What's the good? So you listening, I mean, I would just encourage you. I would invite you, stop right now. Just look back. Whatever time of day it is that you're listening, what's something good to celebrate out of this day so far? Mm -hmm. And let it begin to shift your mindset and do that regularly. So Kevin, for our listeners who all want to jump in and be a part of the gratitude challenge, how do we get a part and help us help you double, triple, quadruple your numbers? So we are doing this, our plan, we're doing this every month indefinitely at this point. There is no plan to stop it. Go to thegratitudechallenge.community. That is a unique domain, but it is .community, not .com, because gratitude is better together. Go to thegratitudechallenge.community, and you will have the opportunity to register for the next round of the Gratitude Challenge. It's always going to be updated at thegratitudechallenge.community. You will be able to register for the next gratitude challenge. Whenever that is, you'll just be able to register for the next one. We're doing it at least once a month. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Kevin, let's leave our listeners with something to, and maybe it is just what you said of challenging them to think about one thing that they're thankful for that happened today, that happened yesterday, that goes on there. How would you leave our listeners? What do you want them mm. to dive in and think about as they look at reframing success and helping people in their lives be more successful and thrive as well as themselves. So when you say that, a sentence that I haven't said in a little while, maybe a year, year and a half ago, I was saying it a lot. You're meant for more. Don't settle for less. Mm, wow. Well, listeners, let's rest on that. You are meant for more. <laughs> Don't settle for less. Join Kevin and I in the conversations that we have via social media. Kevin, how can people reach you? What is your website? Kevin D, middle initial D, Monroe.com. Kevin D, Monroe.com. I'm on LinkedIn, just Kevin Monroe. Kevin underscore Monroe on Twitter. Excellent. And the thegratitudechallenge.community right. is where we want people to go to sign up to take the next challenge and then share openly amongst the community that's formed via social media also, thank you to our listeners. Thank you for listening to this conversation. Thank you for your support, your encouragement. 
your rating and reviews, your subscriptions, you telling your colleagues and friends to join the Talent Magnet Institute podcast community. We're so thankful for you. We hope that this conversation will be one more tool, one more blessing, one more resource to help you focus on your higher purpose and to express the things that you're thankful for in the great lives that we live. Kevin, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Mike, and thank you for listening. Absolutely. All right, everyone, we will see you next week and we appreciate you. We respect you. We love you. And here's to changing the way leaders think and frame success and leadership. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity.